welcome to Season 4, Episode 4 of Radio X's Off the Record Podcast. Produced by Nova Southeastern University's one and only college radio station, Radio X. This is DJ Flacky coming to you from Nova Southeastern University. Today we have something very special for you as classical guitarist Errol Oz discusses his career and the fast-paced changes happening in the music industry. Errol Oz is an award-winning, classically trained guitarist based in Tampa, Florida. His songwriting has been described as a fusion of indie rock, power pop, jazz chords, folk-inspired finger-picking, and altered tunings. But I won't saw you guys too long, so let's get right into it. Here's my interview from this summer with Errol Oz. So joining us today, we have the artist known by Earl Oz. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks a lot for having me. So I guess the first question on our minds is, where did the artists that we know today come about? Oh, gosh. I've been playing music pretty much my whole life, and uh, I took a couple of weird turns to sort of get where I am. You know, I played in bands all through high school, and then I pretty much figured out that I wanted to scheme a way to actually make a living as a musician. So I went to music school, and uh, I got pretty sucked into the music school culture and I went to graduate school and I thought that, uh, you know, I really wanted to be a classical guitarist at that point. And, you know, I really wanted to pretty much dedicate myself to the university setting. But then as soon as I finished music school, I kind of realized exactly how much I missed writing songs and playing electric guitar and things like that. So now I've sort of found a way to do a little bit of both. I still teach a couple of music classes at USF Tampa, but I also just got back into writing songs, um, playing electric guitar in bands, and just doing, you know, as many musical things as I possibly can, because as much as I love classical guitar, I also really wanted to sort of make sure that I lived a life where I was I was happy and feeling fulfilled as a musician, doing lots of different things. That makes total sense. And you mentioned your academic background. You got a bachelor's in music. Yeah, it was, uh, it was in classical guitar performance. So do you feel that your educational background aided you in your music career in a sense, or was it just another step in the process? Um, In most ways, I think it definitely helped me out because uh, there's so much more. I mean, when I write songs now, I think back to a lot of old tunes that I really enjoyed. Like, uh, you know, I love a lot of the the Paul McCartney stuff and and I listen to the chord changes and stuff when I when I hear those songs and I'm just like god these are brilliant and so I feel like understanding the music theory from music school really really helped my writing a lot and I think that's great. On the other hand, though, the one thing that I would say music school kind of made it more challenging is that it kind of made me a a total perfectionist about everything. And if you listen to most people on the radio, they don't have perfect voices. I mean, and and so I I almost kind of think like people are a little turned off to when people have perfect voices a lot of the times. So it's just kind of like I sort of had to rediscover like, how can I figure out a voice that's authentic without being hypercritical of everything I'm doing all the time? So I think in so many ways, it it was more helpful than not just to have that, have the degree, have the experience getting better, both as a player, understanding the music theory. And, and I think it was mostly good. But again, I did kind of have to unlearn some of the whole like perfectionism because like, listen to Neil Young, his voice is like far from perfect, but he's a great writer and a great performer and like an iconic figure. I know you acknowledged a lot of like the benefits that came with it. And then just obviously, like you mentioned, the whole untraining, the perfectionist side of it all. Would you 
in a sense then recommend the educational background for artists or just uh, play it by ear? Well, I really would because the fact of the matter is, I mean, there are so many people making music these days that it's it's really, really difficult to stand out. I mean, Spotify releases like 60,000 songs a day or something crazy like that. And so you think to yourself, like, how do people make a living as musicians? Because most of the people who make like big bucks as as performers from streaming royalties are people who are signed to gigantic major labels. And so like as an independent artist, I mean, sure, I do get little kickbacks from Spotify royalties, but it's certainly not enough to make a living. So if you're really passionate about music, I would recommend it because it just opens your doors up to, you know, so many possibilities. And even if you don't want to be a classical guitarist or a classical musician for life, at least you, you get to meet a great network of people who are as dedicated as you are and who get to push you and challenge you. So even though I definitely had to kind of like recalibrate my goals and what I wanted to do creatively when I left music school, and generally I would say it's it's a very good thing to do and I would recommend people do it because like, you know, I, I don't really know anybody who makes a living solely off of their, their streaming royalties. So it's like you've got to think really creatively about how you want to diversify your income streams to make a living as a musician. So I absolutely recommend it because, you know, again, bigger network uh, just opens you up to a lot more creative things that you maybe wouldn't have had the exposure to before. Yeah, I definitely agree to those points that you mentioned. And honestly, I think connections are key for everything. Circling back to how you mentioned the amount of songs that get released by Spotify on a daily. I mean, here at Radio X, we get submissions at least, I can't even count, honestly, but there's probably over 30 to 40 emails on a daily basis of musical submissions. So it's crazy the amount of music that gets produced on a daily basis, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it just, it becomes really hard to figure out when there's so much being put out there, even if you've got great music, it's so hard just to get people to hear it because there's so much stuff being put out all the time. So again, you know, just any anything that you can think of that, you know, the, those connections from music school, weirdly enough, it's like I've pretty much every job I've gotten as a musician has been because of a connection that I've made. You know, not that not that I don't feel like I deserved it, but it's like, like you still have to you have to work really hard to be ready for when those networking opportunities present themselves. Whether you have the connection or not from there, it's then holding up that credibility to create further networks. But yeah, this is why Radio X tries to highlight as many artists as we possibly can. Um, to make sure that you guys have exposure and things like that. So No, and that that is very cool. That is very cool that you guys are doing this. Thank you so much. And then going back to the uh, being a classically trained musician, I know with that, like you mentioned, the whole perfectionist thing, or more specifically, like a guitarist as a whole, what are some things that you've noticed that people do? You've mentioned like the voices on the radio and things like that, but that they do, for example, like playing the guitar, that maybe like a little pet peeve that you've caught on that people do or something like that just because of your uh, knowledge on the topic? Oh my gosh. Well, there there are a couple of things. It's like for me, a couple of the things that I listen to in, in my own playlists and stuff, they're, they're not people who necessarily have radio perfect voices but oftentimes the delivery of how they how they sing is so cool and so interesting and unique and i totally hear auto-tune like i can hear it and you know it's one thing i think it's kind of cool if people want to use the auto-tune as a special effect in their song but like there are definitely times when they aren't trying to use it as a special effect and i can still hear the auto-tune and i'm like oh man i wish i just want to hear what the performer actually sounds like so sometimes stuff like that gets on my nerves 
also too, like I also teach music theory one and two at USF. So I also have this funny tendency to just analyze everything I hear. And so if I hear, you know, a chord progression or a riff or something that sounds similar to another song, all I can think of is like, wow, I've heard that in like 10,000 other songs. And sometimes I wish I could just turn it off, you know? And, and then sometimes like even in my own writing, I, if I play something and I'm like, oh, that sort of sounds like something else. Then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop myself from like overanalyzing everything all the time. Because I will say having the analytical skills is great to develop as an artist, but sometimes it can also be a little bit of a curse in the sense that like, you know, I just, I can't turn it off. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's kind of funny in a way. And you mentioned your music as a whole. So going back to that, you've released a few tracks in roughly what the span of like the last 10 years or so, which would you say would be like the favorite, your favorite track that you've released or just a song that stood out to you the most? Oh gosh, that's really hard to say. I will tell you a, a quick funny story is that uh, sometimes I think you just as an artist need to put stuff out there because you never know how other people are going to receive it. Because I would say probably my favorite song that I have written is the track Rearview Mirror off of my 2019 EP. But yet, you know, if I if I look at my Spotify and Apple data and stuff, it's like one of my lower, less frequently played tracks. And I'm like, oh, that was the one that was the song. But then, you know, one of the songs that was, you know, really popular and got picked up by a bunch of playlists was the I Would Be Lost Without You song that has the ukulele in it and stuff. And it's cute and it's quirky, but I'm like, I don't know. I I don't think I didn't think that was one of my more solid songs, but yet almost everybody who hears it is like, yeah, that's just like your catchiest tune that we want to hear most often. So I think sometimes, it, you know, it it just goes to show it doesn't discredit what other people think of your music. And it also just kind of indicates that, you know, maybe sometimes like elements of self-doubt or just, you know, sometimes if you think maybe this isn't the best song, you should still just put it out there anyway, you know, because you never know how other people are going to receive it. That's some great advice. And I guess that plays a role to how you were talking about like the overanalyzing things. So just taking into consideration how one can view the songs. Um, you mentioned a song, the one that's the most popular with the ukulele. What are some other, I guess, fun facts that you can give when it came to releasing your music or specific songs that you had? Well, a couple of things, too, is that I, I got to admit, uh, being a producer is hard, you know, because I think for so many, I think producing a song is harder than just writing a song. You know, for some of my songs, like on that first, on that 2019 EP that I released, it was pretty much just bare bones, nothing but guitar and vocals. And I added like bass tracks on a couple of things, but I thought, you know, I want to keep it relatively sparse. I want it to sort of sound like what, what it would sound like if people heard me playing in a coffee shop or something. So I, I didn't want to add too much crazy production value to it, but I think in retrospect, a live performance is, is always going to be different than what people hear on the radio or, you know, on a playlist or something like that. So I think people should really like take the time to make sure that their product is out there right. The other thing is, is that I would say like use other platforms like YouTube and Bandcamp and SoundCloud and things like that to just like put your music out there, even if you're not 100% sure of it. Like if you decide that you want to write a song and you think it's going to be a good acoustic song, Sure, you can put it out on those other platforms and then like use that to just sort of like mull it over. And then that way, like if people start to latch onto your music, then you can release like a fully produced version, like with a band or, you know, with some electronics or something like that. And then all of a sudden, like you've got something that people want to keep going back to as opposed to just sort of like, you know, feeling like you have to be rushed to dump music out there. And I think that was, um, if I could go back, 
and do my 2019 release again, I would probably say like, no, I should have just brought in a band. I should have maybe done more like production work on, on the album and things like that. Because I don't know. I mean, I just, when you release something and you spend the time trying to promote it, because that's the other thing, you know, if you don't do anything to promote your music, it could be the best song in the world, but still hardly anybody will hear it. So that's one thing that I think can also be a little bit of a challenge for people too, is, you know, how do you advocate for yourself without being one of those people who feels like you're just talking about yourself all the time? So it, it can be, it can be difficult, you know, if you're trying to like get, get a following on, on TikTok or whatever social media platform, and then you feel like the conversation is one-sided and then that as an artist makes you feel like, well, maybe I need to be doing more. Maybe I need to be engaging more. Um, so I think a lot of artists either struggle with like pushing themselves too hard on these platforms or they just like feel guilty about you know advertising to other people all the time so they just don't so i think there's definitely sort of a balance that you have to strike in terms of like building an organic fan base i definitely agree there because honestly social media has become so prevalent or just the media as a whole to making sure that artists get exposure because once it's out there yeah okay it's out there now how do i find it if i don't know the artist how am i going to find this song it has to be somewhere so definitely doing that outreach while not necessarily boasting about yourself is kind of difficult. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a really tight balance to try to, try to maintain. Um, but yeah, you know, the other thing that I want to mention too is that like some of my favorite artists that I listen to now, I mean, it's, it's challenging for independent artists because for me, I think that like a lot of the artists that I listen to are either artists that my friends recommended to me. So they already sort of had like a following and a little bit of career building momentum moving forward. But even still, like some of the artists I listen to now, it's funny, like, gosh, when I was in when I was an undergraduate, I really liked this this band called Coheed and Cambria. And the first time I heard them, I hated them. And then I, I heard them like a second time and a third time and a fourth time. And like by the fifth time, I'm like, OK, this is my jam. You know, it's like if you're an independent artist and the first time somebody hears you is just like on this one little playlist and they and they skip it, you know, it's it's harder to build that that real connection because when these artists have, you know, promotion teams, you know, most people don't often like unless people are absolutely blown away with your song, it might take a couple of listens for people to like it. Or another one is like the 1975. I do really like that band. And the first time I heard that chocolate song, I would say probably the first 20 times I heard that chocolate song back in like 2014 or something, I, I hated it. I thought it was a stupid song. And then after like hearing it for the 50th time, it just got stuck in my head. And then I'm like, okay, I'll just like go see what they've got. And then I listened to the rest of the album and I was like, hey, I really like this. So I think um, it's it's hard because you have to be really persistent because, you know, sometimes it takes more than one listen to really learn to appreciate something. And as an independent artist, I think you're, you're definitely at a disadvantage in that regard. But it's like there again, it all kind of comes down to finding that balance between making sure you're doing as much as you can to put your music out there for people to hear it but without also just like being obnoxious and self-serving about it at the same time. Yeah, I I can see where you're coming from about some artists. I'm a person that after a while, like I hear a song multiple times, it'll eventually stick with me. But sometimes the first few plays, it's like, no, please get it away. <laughs> oh, yes. There there are definitely songs like that that I knew, like from the moment I heard it, I'm just like, nah, nah, this is never going to be my jam. 
Yes, that that makes total sense. Um, and it happens even on like radio stations or just music that gets sent to us. Like the first impression that we get is what we have of that artist. So making sure that they're just persistent and constantly sending stuff because eventually something's got to stick, right? Yeah, of course. And I think for a lot of people, it's just like if you don't do enough right in the beginning and, you know, you write great songs, but they just don't catch on because, you know, maybe just because of the, the luck of not maybe you just didn't reach the right audience or something i think a lot of people get really discouraged and just you know quit doing it i think if you you know an artist that i've recently started listening to again kind of like on the i guess folkier side of things i really like amos lee but i mean amos lee has been around since like 2004 or something like that i mean he's been making music for a long time and so you know just because your music was released a while ago doesn't mean that there's no chance of you still reaching the right audience with it right i agree and with all this advice that you've been giving about like just up-and-coming artists the music industry as a whole i did want to circle back to you as an artist you've been awarded for a couple musical awards throughout the years which would you say was the most rewarding or like the, the most meaningful one that you've had thus far that's hard to say because most of the awards I've been given were all for accomplishments that I that I did as a classical guitarist in music school. Well, actually, I would say probably the most recent one. Um, last summer, when the world was imploding, I was lucky enough to be able to be the recipient of this grant from this organization called Creative Pinellas, since I live in St. Pete in Pinellas County. And when I sent in my application material to them, you know, most of the wins that I said that I have on my on my resume were classical guitar competitions in college and things like that. But now that's and at the time that was pretty much all I was. I stopped writing music for a long time. But now that I've embraced writing again and playing electric guitar and playing in bands and even kind of producing some electronic -y, film score -y type of sounding stuff, all of that is who I am now. So when I applied for the Creative Pinellas grant last summer, you know, I sent all of that in the pack. I was just saying, hey, I am a classical guitarist. I, I teach music theory. This is my background, but this is what I'm doing now. And so I sent in samples of both my classical guitar work and some of my original songs and, you know, some of the stuff that I'm doing as a teacher and an educator. And so I'm like, this is me, the complete package. Luckily, I was able to receive a really nice grant from Creative Pinellas. And so that that's probably the most meaningful one for me because it wasn't just like, we're going to give you this award because you're good at guitar. We're going to give you this award because of everything that you're doing to you know try to further the arts community in your area so I'd say that's probably the one the the creative Pinellas professional artist grant yeah and I can definitely see why congratulations on that by the way yeah thanks so much I mean obviously 2020 was a pretty rough year for a lot of people and I probably would have been in far worse shape if it if it weren't for that organization and that grant yeah I can only imagine <laughs> with that said before we get into or dive into our last question is there any other additional things that you would like to share with our listeners? Oh yeah, so I'm about to release another, a second EP of some songs that I've been working on for a while, and those are a little bit more produced. Some of them I have. I hired people to come in and play bass for me. I have drums on some of the tracks. I've got electronics. I've got uh, basically just like trying to make something that sounds a little bit fuller and a little bit more produced than what my original 2019 EP of mostly acoustic stuff was. In the process of doing that, I mean, I can play bass. I played bass on the 2019 record, but I wanted to bring in some extra people because um, I'm a firm believer in collaboration. You know, I, I, I love Paul McCartney, but I think 
Paul McCartney's songs with the Beatles are like the pinnacle of his achievement. I mean, I think the Beatles collectively were better than any of the Beatles individually after the group broke up, you know? So I think there's something really strong to be said about like somebody just having a little bit of a fresh perspective. And that's why a lot of times when you see these albums that are re released by major label artists, they've got a producer who comes in and lends some creative input because, um, I mean, it's, it's really rare to find somebody who produces there, who writes, produces, and performs all of their own stuff, you know? And I also want to argue that like, I think part of what made the Beatles the Beatles, you know, in their early days, they were just kind of like, you know, they were just a really good pop band. But then in their later years, they started doing a lot of experimental things. But that was also largely because they had, you know, George Martin, who was a highly trained classical musician, you know, writing the string arrangements for uh, Yesterday and Eleanor Rigby and stuff like that. So uh, on this album, I tried to really make sure that I, I brought in some other creative people, some other creative minds that I really trusted and wanted to work with. And uh, one of the tracks, uh, the song Photograph, I actually sent it off to LA during the pandemic to be mixed down when a lot of studios were shut down. I sent the tracks off to LA and it was mixed down by uh, Alex Newport, who is uh, a guy who mixed, you know, one of the more popular Death Cab for Cutie albums, and he produced a couple City and Color albums. So it was really cool just to be able to work collaboratively with somebody who is like pretty prolific in the indie rock genre as well. So so that's pretty much it. See, the the EP Reverie is uh, is going to be available on all streaming platforms shortly. So is there an expected date that we can get? <laughs> yeah, it's actually. Um, let's see, today's the 11th. It's coming out on uh, on May 21st. So May 21st, it's going to be on, on all the streaming platforms. So by the time our listeners hear this episode, it should already be out for all of you yeah. guys to enjoy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Awesome stuff. Um, with that said, one more thing. Where can our listeners, aside from obviously this podcast and our socials, find out more about you and your music? Um, I mean, you can find out all of my social media accounts are Errol Oz Music. So it's E-R-O-L-O-Z Music. I also, if you're, if you're curious about more stuff that I do because I have tons of different music related side hustles in order to be make, making a living doing this. I also have a podcast that's available on all the podcast streams called Music Theory for Songwriters. So I tried to write, um, I tried to do something that was a little bit more niche oriented that was a little bit more about a music conversation and less about me just like talking about my own stuff so um if you guys want to hear the music theory for songwriters podcast uh all my social handles are errol oz music but then also my website is errolozmusic.com and that's also got plenty of links to other other music related things and other education related things that i do too that is all awesome stuff. We can't wait to hear this new music coming out and just more about your musical career. Thank oh, you for thank joining you. us. Yeah, <laughs> thanks so much for having me. That's it for this week. Again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Arrow. It was a blast having you join us. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find more as well as our previous seasons on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Pocket Casts, Breacher, and Radio Republic, with many more platforms still to come. We got an exciting interview for next week with house artist and Wake Up Music Group founder, Pepper Gomez. For updates about that and more, you can follow us on social media at NSU Radio X on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Snapchat, and Spotify. 
Just a reminder, the views expressed by guests on this podcast are their own, and their appearance on this program does not imply an endorsement of them. Views and opinions expressed by Radio X employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the view of Radio X staff, the university, or its officials. With that, see you next week. Thank you.